Welcome to Money Vision U. In this podcast, we are passionate about teaching the financial class you should have had in high school so you can learn how to fast track your financial freedom. If you want to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money and see opportunities the way the wealthy do, then you came to the right place. I'm your host, Stuart Berryhill. Money Vision U, class in session. And it can be shipped to you, or you can hide it. You're, you can put it in one of y'all's vaults somewhere. How um, how do we know like that it's there? How, you know, because it's something we'll have never seen. It's something being stored away from us. And you know, I, yeah. How do we know it's there? And like the same, if if it gets lost or stolen or something, there's a bankruptcy. Is there insurance for that? How is that protected? Yeah, so th- this is really important. It's never on our balance sheet. It's never a it's never a debt of Goldcore that you have your gold stored with us. So it doesn't. It's not. You're never a creditor, um, and and that's really important. So it's not on our balance sheet. It's not on the vaulting company's balance sheet, and it's not on. Uh, it's only on the, the customer's balance sheet. If you think about it, it's their asset. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way what we do is you can go to the Goldcore website portal. And you can see your assets listed there and you can see serial numbers where appropriate if there are big bars. And then what you can do is we actually give you the credentials to log into the vaulting company's system independently of Goldcore. So this might be Brinks. You know, Brinks are very famous. We'll give you access to the Brinks system and you'll be able to go in there with your account number and ask them what is being stored at that location uh, under my account number. And there they'll show you all your bars and coins and the serial numbers where appropriate. And that will match one for one for what you see on your Goldcore account. So you can do your own reconciliation. Uh, we also do a reconciliation once a year where we get a company to go in and, and count uh, and look at the lists of what's held. And they do they do spot checks on accounts and then they produce a report. And we send that to every storage customer. And we also send them these certificates of insurance as well from Lloyd's of London, uh, okay. showing that the, well, those locations are insured. But there's never you're, you can never be 100% assured you know, they're, 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 the fraud is always possible. It's highly sure. unlikely. I think what we have is probably the safest possible uh, system in the world because we actually give every client access to the actual vaulting company system independently. And it's uh, and it's, 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 it's an industrial system, so it's not pretty, uh, but it does the job and you can you can check what's stored. Um, but, you know, having it in your hand is also a great way to, to, to own it. So I think you should have some in your hand mm-hmm. and then and, and larger some stored professionally. And what's yeah. great about when you have it stored is you can get on the phone and say, you know what, listen, um, I'd like to sell one of my bars, uh, and you and we know we can we can sell we can buy that off you right away because we know where it's been, and it's inside what we call the chain of integrity. Uh, that is to say, we saw it coming off the shelf from the refiner, and it went into the vault directly, and we stored it on that shelf at your account number. And then when you sell it to us, we know exactly what it is, so we can buy it with with absolute assurance. Assurance. Okay. So yeah, you just set up an account, minimum five thousand. You can have it shipped to you, or they can it can be stored, uh, and you guys help take care of that. But you can always kind of see it and for yourself. And I, yeah, I think for me, I'm not going to recommend anything to anyone, but I, I would definitely, for me, I would want it in my house to start get comfortable with it and uh, just kind of learn the game, you know. And, and I, I always tell people, don't invest in what you don't understand. And so just learn the game. Start with a minimum, 
and, and just start figuring things out. Okay. Cause I'm even a gold bar versus a gold coin. What's the difference in price is a gold bar. Like the full amount of, you know, gold is, I don't know, $2,000. I don't know what it is right now. 2000 us dollars, but is a gold bar, maybe like the full amount and a gold coin, a 10th of that, or how does that work? Yeah. Well, a, a gold bar, they, 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 they're tr- transacted in, in formats of one ounce, one Troy ounce of gold. Okay. And, and essentially, uh, if you buy a coin, a one ounce coin or a one ounce bar, they have the exact same amount of gold in them. Sometimes the coin weighs a little bit more than an ounce because it might have an alloy in there to make it strong. Um, but they both both have the same amount of gold typically. And they're traded using the spot price, which is the inter- international interbank traded price for one troy ounce of gold. And you see that quoted on newspapers and, and TV. They're, look at the, the physical gold price, mm-hmm. spot price, spot quoted price. there. It's the spot price plus a premium, and the premium is a percentage. And the percentage is determined by what the particular format you're buying. So if you're buying a really uh, beautifully designed one-ounce gold American Eagle from the U.S. Mint, you know, you're going to pay a higher premium, maybe like 6% over spot. But if you're buying a one-ounce gold bar from just a regular refinery, uh, you might get that for like 3 or 4%. Uh, and the reason is because uh, the mint is able to charge more because they have a really reputable, beautiful, famous, uh, and a very expensive to design and produce coin versus okay. a, a kind of a bog standard bar. Okay. So as I was saying there, um, so when you're buying, one other factor involved in the premium is the amount of gold that you're buying. So the more you buy of a particular format, the cheaper that premium will get. You'll get a bit of a discount because you're buying in bulk and you get uh, uh, unit economics uh, or economies of scale, I should say. Um, And also the location that you're buying it in. So if you want to buy it in in a very obscure place, it might cost more money to get it there. And if you're buying it in a very very well-known trading center, such as Zurich or London, uh, you might be able to get a little bit cheaper as well. so there are all the determinant factors that go into the premium that you pay. Uh, if you're buying like a kilo bar of gold, which would have 32 ounces of gold in it, 32.14, uh, the, 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 the economic cost of producing a kilo bar per ounce is, is a great deal magnitude, um, a great magnitude less than it would be to produce 32 individual bars. Uh, so that also factors in. So you might buy a kilo bar for like 2% uh, over spot. Uh, which is a great deal less than maybe 6% for an individual coin. Okay. So spot is just the direct price, basically. No premium yeah. added, direct price. Yeah. And uh, that I'll, I'll <laughs> we've heard about Robert Kiyosaki plenty of times already on the show, so I'll bring it up one more time. I always hear him talk about, I think it's in his book too. He talks about, or it's in his book, Fake. But he talks about how when he was in the Vietnam War, he had a bar of gold and he was trying to sell it to someone in maybe in Vietnam, maybe for a higher price. And he said that lady taught him the biggest lesson that day because he tried to sell it at a higher price. And she was like, spot, spot. And it's just it just almost is, goes to show you that just everywhere in the world, they know the spot price of gold. It's real money. You can't, you know... I mean, maybe there's people that are naive out there and don't know different things, but here's this little lady in some village in Vietnam, or maybe she was trying to sell the gold, but wanted spot price for it. And so that's just an interesting story, just kind of bringing that up of just kind of a a reason why gold or the case for gold being in your portfolio. And for those that 
maybe are a little bit further financially, have a little bit more freedom there. It would just be mm-hmm. a good idea probably to look at that in your portfolio. And Stephen yeah. can definitely help with things like that. Your company, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, can help with things like that. So that's awesome. Just out of curiosity, I got to ask this. Um, sure. What do you think about Bitcoin? Well, great question. I, I'm I love technology. Ever since my trading days in Wall Street, you know, where I was very very big into financial technology. Um, I love the concept of Bitcoin. I love that it came from grassroots and what it means as a distributed ledger, an immutable ledger. Uh, I've done a lot of research. I've done courses on it. Um, I have. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the concept. I have a problem though with it as a currency um, okay. because there's a number of tests that it doesn't pass. Um, but I do think as a precursor to whatever is to come down the road, I think it's an, an essential uh, stepping stone in the evolution of money. And I think it's noble how it tries to empower the individual. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fantastic. Um, I, as far as the price where it's going to go versus other currencies, I, I do not know. Um, I, 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 I do have some fundamental problems with it as a currency in terms of that it can't actually be leveraged. Um, cause mm-hmm. if, if, um, here's an apple, um, there's an apple, right? So if you're a bank, and uh, all I own in the world is this apple and it's a property and I own it unenc- unencumbered and I have an idea for a business. Typically what the banking system allows me to do today is to pledge this, this apple, this property to you, the bank. And in return, you will take its market value and issue me a loan for that amount. And so in the bank's balance sheet, they have an apple on one side that they have a claim on and they have a loan, which they owe. And on my balance sheet, I have cash that I just got and I have an apple as well, which I can get back. Okay, so they they perfectly relate. We haven't actually done anything or created anything. What we essentially have done as a banking system is animated the value inside this apple uh, from something that's you know good for eating to something that could be actually used to make a make a business. Now, Bitcoin can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can't because this money when that money gets created by the bank it actually just comes out of nowhere on their balance they have the power to create currency uh, and out of assets that they have taken in as collateral um, and it's more complicated than that so Bitcoin fails that test and that's actually a really important part of an economy to be able to create currency when needed on the back of, of assets uh, and the other part of it I don't like is um, is that um when you take on a Bitcoin and you have it in your wallet, it's unique. It's immutable. You own it, and it's a specific it's a specific hash there that de- determines that Bitcoin unit. Um, but you own it, and you own its history. Now, when if you have a thousand dollars in your bank or ten thousand dollars in your bank, it's it's a it's a pooled dollar amount. There's no particular serial numbers behind it. It's just a mm-hmm. credit of numbers. It's on a ledger. But with Bitcoin, you have the specific unit. And what's the difference between those two is if that Bitcoin was involved in a theft or a crime at any point in its history, it is possible that some law enforcement agency could come to you in your wallet and saying that Bitcoin was stolen five years ago or was involved in a crime. And therefore, we are we are confiscating it from you and returning it to its original owner. That can't happen inside the banking system with cash because it's all mixed up. Mm-hmm. So you don't have you have a specific immut that immutability, which is one of the key strengths that's shown, is actually one of its downfalls in terms of the provid- providential risk that you inherit when you take on a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, as a form of currency, 
it transmits risk like no other currency. It's like having serial, using the serial numbers to determine what you actually have in your bank account. And I don't think you probably haven't heard anyone say this to you before because it's probably not particularly popular. But if you think about it and dwell on it, it kind of undermines it as a as an actual currency. Because I I have clients of mine whose computers were hacked and they had hundreds of Bitcoins removed from their computers. Oh, man. They are there. One day they might have their day in court if those things are not. Sure. Now, there are, there are technologies out there called tumblers, which allow you to send in Bitcoins and it reconstitutes them into different codes and it obs- uh, obscures the origin, uh, the origin of it. But then what you have is an obscured origin Bitcoin, and that's probably going to trade at a major discount because maybe somebody did that. And maybe we have an AI computer in the future that can actually undisentangle that particular set of Bitcoins to find out what actually went into that Tumblr system. So I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. an, it's an amazing technology. I love the system. It's actually changing the world because the Bitcoin itself uh, has challenged central banks and currency currency creators. And they are now producing central bank digital currencies as a direct result of what Bitcoin did uh, back in 08, I think it was. Yeah. What a great macroeconomic kind of viewpoint there. I can't, I don't know that I'm a fan of central bank digital currencies because then if one, if things are centralized, then who knows if you don't do something the government wants you to do all of a sudden they can freeze your money just like that. And it takes away kind of that, I don't know, cash in my pocket, so to speak. And and they start- I, I, again, I love the concept of central bank digital currencies. I'm going to be shot by all the gold bugs for saying that, but I love the efficiency that they could bring to the system, like just in terms of, in terms of transactions, uh, transaction efficiency. Um, but if if used wrong and constructed incorrectly, it could be the favorite weapon of a despotic leader. Um, yeah. if, you know how you could control everybody if by controlling their money. Money is power, and power is political, and that's why we have cash and fiat currencies. That can be, you know, parked and buried and put under a mattress. Uh, that's not by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should be in a rush to get rid of those attributes from our currency system. Uh, if they do produce central bank digital currencies, I would strongly advise those in charge uh, to make sure that they can be uh, anonymized and held on an anonymous basis, uh, on the basis that it empowers the public and allows them to keep the government of the day in check. Yeah, and and look at history. These people will, if they're if they give them too much power, they will abuse. Oh it. yeah, yeah. Government, government. You, <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. But government, you just can't, you just can't trust it. Who knows what they'll do? And they may think they have the right heart or something like that. Maybe they'll freeze your currency. Maybe there's climate stuff they're wanting you to get involved in, or maybe. They want you to have the COVID shot. And if you, and I'm for freedom, but if you don't have the COVID shot, they might freeze your money with central bank digital currency because they would have power over that. If you don't have the COVID shot, I, I'm just not about any, I'm, uh, I'm a free market capitalist for sure. And I think you're the same way. And so uh, there, there's efficiencies that can be had through it. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, I was just curious your thoughts on Bitcoin because I like how you talked about it. It may not be a great currency, but what, where I think of Bitcoin is, or I hear a lot of people describe it as digital gold. Would you kind of view it that way where it's almost like a commodity or you think it's too volatile to be something like that, which it definitely is volatile. (laughs) Very volatile, but it's actually, it's actually positively correlated with the stock market. And in particular, the technology indexes, the NASDAQ, it's Mm -hmm. very positively correlated with that. So that the NASDAQ is full of speculators a lot of the time. Mm. And the the fact that, Bitcoin goes the same way as that. I would I would say that a lot of the people pulling the strings are speculators, which are short term, and they're loyal to nobody. 
And that's no yeah. problem. I have no problem with, but that's not long-term systemic risk hedge investors. Gold price is very much long-term. Um, you do get short-term moves, but not like Bitcoin. And it's not digital gold because these people think that uh, they 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 are saying that because it's independent, and it's outside the system, and gold is outside the system. Therefore, they're the same. They're not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, gold market is, you know, so much larger than the big the, than the crypto marketplace. It's mm-hmm. absolutely enormous. Uh, central banks hold gold to backstop their their national economies, um, and in terms of tr- trouble, they don't own Bitcoin, or yeah. most as far as I know. Um, yeah. And, and and there's an awful lot of kind of um, uh, pretenders to Bitcoin's throne. Um, there's no no technology that can't be duplicated that Bitcoin has. Uh, and also we have uh, we have significant risk with certain miners. They could take control of the hashing function uh, of Bitcoin, and it can be split, and it can have multiple different ver- variants, which you already have. So I don't know. You go forward a hundred years. Uh, if you have uh, you know uh, the uh, the option of you know a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, a thousand dollars in gold. You know, Bitcoin might be miles ahead of gold in terms of value terms at some point in time. But I think over the longer term, I can't imagine gold, which is indestructible and doesn't require circuitry to maintain its value, uh, uh, is is ultimately, you know, is is the ultimate safe haven asset. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unlike anything else. I like, I like your perspective. We've kind of come full circle here because we started by saying you should have investments that are kind of counteracting each other. And you're saying gold or uh, Bitcoin is kind of with the, you know, NASDAQ and, and tech things and whatnot. It is, if those are going up, Bitcoin's going up and you don't necessarily, they're going down, Bitcoin's going down and you don't necessarily want that correlation. You want a little bit of break in that. So you're not all in, uh, your eggs aren't all in one basket. So I love how it kind of came full circle there. There's so many tangents uh, I can go on. It. You you just are full of knowledge. Um, I have to ask this one question. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, this is the last question <laughs> before getting your info to the audience, but I think this has just been super interesting. But uh, I don't know if you've noticed or heard about more governments starting to buy gold. Have you um, been hearing about that? Because I, I think I even heard the US government was starting to buy more gold just trying to back the currency and things like that. And I think I've heard um, other governments are starting to do that too. I don't know if you've got any news on that or have heard about that no, at all. Central banks all around the world have been acquiring gold now for the last number of quarters uh, <laughs> in record record amounts. And and there was a time when it fell out of favor and they were selling gold. And they had uh, really bought into this global economic miracle of low inflation, high growth. And now what we have is inflation, and inflation is the death of currencies. That is their, that is actually their dying, you know, death curdle, if you wish. Um, and um, they're purchasing gold. What's really interesting, what's behind that is uh, uncertainty for the future. First off, the dollar looks like it's um, in the last stages of its hegemony, um, uh, which is which is un- unbelievable if you think about it, because the you know the whole globalization experiment has really uh, hinged on the dollar uh, as, as a clearing currency around the world. Uh, but something else has happened just recently. Um, uh, and that was when Russia invaded Ukraine, one of the responses of the global community was to uh, seize the assets of the Russian central bank, the dollar assets and their gold assets. And when they did so, they crossed a line that had not been crossed before. They weaponized the dollar clearing mm. system for arguably political purposes. Now, I'm not getting into the right wrong of the invasion. I, I happen to think it's it's, it's a, an awful crime what's happened to the Ukrainian mm-hmm. people. 
But the fact that they weaponize the dollar system against a foe means that every other central bank holding dollars around the world suddenly has a new risk that they had not anticipated before. That is to say that their currencies that they hold could be uh, uh, confiscated uh, because of power, because of events outside of their control. Uh, and that means that they must diversify, just like an investor diversifies, central banks have to diversify. So they're now going to be looking at the euro, they're going to look at the, the, the Japanese yen and other currencies. And there's a particular union that's beginning to develop with China and Russia and Brazil and India. They're called the BRIC nations. And they're adding more people to, or more countries to their numbers. And they're creating a counterweight to the US dollar controlled Western economies. Now, I don't think they're ever going to usurp the dollar, not in a million years, but I do think they'll take some of the wind out of its sails. And mm -hmm. as a result, the dollar has actually fallen from like 70% of, of, uh, of reserves, reserves or, or transactions to like less than 60% now, 50 in the 50, high 50s in the last 10 years or so. And that means that uh, gold does really, really well. They're acquiring gold. They're backing their, their central bank reserves, not holding treasuries in dollars, but holding gold maybe the Bank of England or the New York Fed or in their, in their locally. The Germans took an awful lot of their gold back out of the Fed and had it repatriated back to their own vaults. Um, so the world is changing. And I think China is aggressively going, looking outwardly now in order mm -hmm. to protect its interests. Before it was like, we're too big and no one's going to touch us. You know, we'll all be nicey-nicey, but they want to buy our goods and services. We'll export them all over the world. They depend on us. But now, there's, now the, the, this, this, the arithmetic has changed and they, they don't trust the Americans. The Americans don't trust the Chinese. And the Chinese now wanted to expand their, uh, their, their, uh, their interests beyond their borders using what's called the Belt and Roads Initiative, where they pay for infrastructure all around the world. They build motorways in Africa and different things like that in ports. Mm -hmm. It's what the Western economies did for many years um, before. And the Chinese are now doing this too. And they're using uh, their own currency to pay for their own energy imports. And about maybe three weeks ago, a huge news story broke. And it's you won't see this anywhere else. You won't see this on NBC or ABC News. But the Saudi Arabian government decided to export oil to the Chinese in and, and receive uh, Chinese yuan in return. Hmm. Uh, and they didn't take dollars. And the reason the dollar has been so strong all these years is because all the countries or most countries in the world pay for their energy imports, because most import, and they pay for it in dollars. And those dollars are typically stored in advance of those transactions in treasuries, in U.S. treasuries. And the French call this an exorbitant privilege. That is to say that there was such demand for the dollars around the world and everybody wanted to hold it. The American government could, could finance its deficits by exporting dollars around the world and do so at really low interest rates. And mm -hmm. it's something that other countries could not do, but the Americans could do it for you know, since, since World War II. Um, so the fact that the dollar came off the gold standard in 72 didn't really take the wind out of its sails because the oil market was supporting it. That just changed three wow. weeks ago. Mm. The Saudis are taking non-dollar payments. And I think that is such an enormous story. And I think it yeah. means that the dollar may not be in demand so much, but I think it looks really good for gold. And we'll see what the next move uh, of, on the chessboard as the Americans and the Chinese vie for control of the global economy. Wow. The, man, those last five minutes, I just want to do another podcast with you uh, because, that, <laughs> I mean, there's, 
it it is so interesting what's going on and you help break it down so well because you know i i'm i'm not a newbie investor or anything like that but just understanding the whole world macroeconomic picture is is something that you just got to pay attention to and i i you you don't hear these news stations talk about it, but sometimes I just don't think they even necessarily know as well as like they they're starting in economics. They're just looking for a story and they don't understand maybe the weight of that story or whatever the reason is. But anyways, that is, we got to do another podcast sometime talking about just kind of what's going on in the world and things like that. But you've been an awesome guest teaching us about gold. Why uh, or just the reason for gold. It's real money, it, you know, everywhere you go, any country in the world, whatever happens to that, uh, you know, th- that current currency you have in your country, gold will, it yeah. always has stood the test of time. So with that being said, just how can listeners follow you or reach out to your company or whatever it is and, and stay in touch? Well, um, if you're interested in the gold market and you're based in the United States, uh, we have a special website. Uh, it's not our regular website, goldcore.com. It's called goldintheusa.com. Uh, and it's not a cheesy sales site, but it has a guide that you can download and it'll give you some very good pointers, starters to understand how to invest in gold. Um, and I would start there. Um, and in terms of ourselves, you could go on to our YouTube channel, uh, Goldcore, the Goldcore YouTube channel. I'd subscribe there. We do great investment interviews. Um, there and you can follow what's happening. You'll see me up there sometimes. Um, and uh, and David Russell, who's our director in marketing, and he does an awful lot of uh, great interviews. Uh, and uh, join our join you know join our newsletter list on our website. You can uh, there's a sign up there, and you can sign up and you'll be on our on our, on our articles. And we send out articles uh, every few days, uh, and they're always interesting. There's different angles. Um, but I I want to say thank you to you, Stuart, because um, your audience is the is the the younger members of society. And I think it's so important that we uh, educate as much as possible, as well as possible, those people, because they're the people who are going to fix the problems that we've created today. Um, and, you know, I, 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 uh, you know, the youth are so important. The children are so important. The young people out there are so important. And, uh, and the, 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 the more straight we can be with them and the better we can educate them, the better they'll be equipped to solve the problems of tomorrow. So I think you do in a fantastic uh uh, uh, service to society uh, by educating them, and I think uh, I think you should definitely take a round of applause if there's lots of people listening. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, man, I just hope we can keep growing our audience with young people and uh, just keep spreading the word. Financial literacy, it's yeah. got to keep you know just being shared. So, That's anyways, cool. thanks again, Stephen, for coming on the podcast, and look forward to connecting with you more in the future. Cool, thank you so much, Stuart. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Vision U. If this is something that added value to you, then please subscribe, leave a review, and share. We are passionate about teaching financial literacy so you can learn to take control of your financial future. If you want to learn more, then follow us on social media platforms at Money Vision U. We look forward to catching you in the next class.